Hello Legends, it's that time to talk about art again. Welcome to another episode of Why Not Art. Today I am speaking with someone who has lived full-time on a yacht whilst being a practicing artist. So stay tuned for what that has to teach us about life. We also talk about art as a form of mindfulness. So if you're someone that needs a little bit of calm in their life and perhaps traditional meditation is not for you, then we might have an alternative for you. My guest today is Nicola Newman, a creative business coach, professional artist, and qualified painting teacher who specializes in teaching mindfulness and creative expression in her year-long creativity school, Flourish, the Art of Creative Living. Known for her down-to-earth, encouraging, and authentic teaching style, she's guided creative hearts around the world through her popular programs, workshops, and retreats. Her work has been featured in Australian Country Magazine, ABC Organic Gardener, The Sunday Mail, Gentleman's Quarterly, Nature and Health, and more. Nicola's passion is demystifying the creative process and supporting others to be kind to themselves, follow their hearts, and find meaning and fulfillment through creative living. Welcome to Why Not Art. Nicola, thank you so much for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure, Chris. I've been really looking forward to this conversation with you. Oh, fantastic. Well, talking about art is, you know, it's one of the best things we can possibly do. Absolutely. That's very true. And I love, um, I was thinking about it before this call, I was thinking, I love that you blend uh, mindfulness into your life as well. And so mindfulness and creativity for me are my like, two favorite topics. Peas in a pod. Yeah. Two peas in a pod. Yeah. Yeah. So Nicola, you have been a professional practicing artist for many, many years. And your uh, one of your programs is called The Art of Creative Living. So I would love to start by asking you, what is creative living to you? Oh, wow. Okay. I suppose the thing that I'm really interested in for people that join Flourish, the art of creative living, is getting to build a really loving relationship with themselves. So through mindfulness and creative expression, because I think that creative expression is this wonderful playground where we can um, practice tools like self-compassion and really listening to ourselves, you know, so I love Mm journaling and making sure that we're living our life in alignment with our values and um, doing the things that light us up. So that might look like painting. It might look like writing or journaling or gardening. You know, members do all of those things. But I think the heart of the work that I do is really about um, celebrating, slowing down, living intentionally, listening to yourself and not being held back by um you know the fears and the self-doubts that we all face and that particularly can come up for us when we're trying something new or looking at a blank page or something so (laughs) yeah yeah it's almost like a um it's a good metaphor for life right when you're presented with blankness or or just open possibility to actually have the bravery to do something with it absolutely yeah absolutely Mm. and Mm. when you're kind of the sole instigator of that there's nobody else telling you exactly what to do and you need to be taking yeah taking that action it can be quite scary yeah for sure it can be and why do you think it is then that we come to maybe not dismiss art or creative expression but 
it's often something that we kind of forget the older we get or we don't have time for it or there's, there's it's always something that kind of gets left to the wayside why do you think that is I think it's um I think it's a mixture of things I mean we do it's it's cultural partly um so in our culture I think those that a- aspect of our life is very easily pushed aside you know I was watching Gardening Australia today and there was uh, a group of immigrants from Africa who was growing maize and in their community garden they were singing and dancing while they're plowing their their fields and I was like wow that's so different you know to the way that we look at life isn't it largely in here in the west so and particularly in Australia you know I think in Europe there is a little bit more value given to creativity and art in general I'd agree yeah yeah um and I think then on top of that so we're not supported by you know on by our culture and it kind of adds to what I tend to call creative shame um Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) big one big one yeah (laughs) where you know you sit down and you start and something and and those really intense emotions come up that uh really can be quite unpleasant and so it's much easier just not to draw it not to try and it's easier to sit in front of the tv and watch something or you know go out with friends or something that's not not fraught with quite so many emotional barriers Hmm. Yeah, not quite as raw and risky, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. D- did you find in your, I guess, journey of becoming an, an artist by trade, um, did you find that it difficult to break down some of those cultural barriers to, to actually go, you know what, this is actually what I want to do. I want to be an artist for a living. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I think the, there was two parts as you were talking then I was thinking yeah there was a time when for me the creative shame was particularly strong and I found it very difficult in between sessions um I I was going to uh, a professional artist's studio on a Tuesday night just for an hour to go and do some kind of creative work because I left school before I'd finished um before I'd finished grade 10 actually so I didn't have a portfolio to use to apply to get into art school and I found this guy through Eckersley's he used to work at Eckersley's you know art store yeah (laughs) And um, but in between our weekly sessions, I wasn't producing anything. I wasn't doing anything at home. And one day I came into the to the um, studio and and he said, look, if you're trying to get into art school, this is not going to work. You know, if you were in an atelier, you would be thrown out because you have to be Mm. producing. And um, what's going on? What's happening for you? And I was like, (laughs) just sit down and I freeze. I said, I just find it so hard. And, um, and he said, looked at me really quizzically, you know, what do you mean? I said, I just find it so scary to know what to do. And when I start something, it's not as good as I want it to be. And he said, oh, and I mean, he gave the advice that I probably wouldn't give to people these days so much, but he said, just have a glass of wine, put on some music and just forget about it. Like just enjoy the process. (laughs) And, uh, and I did, and it, and it, um, it did work and I, I don't, have to drink wine now to paint but it was a good use <laughs> <all the> time. <laughs> did you have any pushback from you know school or authority figures or parents around your decision to to pursue that path well I had a pretty strange um part of my life I guess at that stage so I wasn't really in contact with most of my family I um, had left school as I say when I was 15 um so I didn't have 
a lot of pushback. My, I was in touch with my grandparents and my mum and they were very um, supportive and my grandparents in particular really spoke into my life and um, they actually, you know, would just encourage me every step of the way, sending me some funds to help with the journey as well mm -hmm. as um, books that my grandpa thought that I'd like. So he sent me a book by Robert Hughes, the art critic, you know, I hope that this inspires you and, and books by Aww. Turner. And yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> How sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing listeners may not know about you um, is that you have lived a lot of your recent years on a boat yes um traveling up the east coast um of australia and i mean to me that is another expression of of creative living is that the way you see it yeah i do and um i guess that comes back to that part of um developing the muscle of listening to yourself tuning into the things that light you up knowing what brings you joy and then also having some tools to be able to deal with the, the fears and the doubts that come up um, during that process as well because there were plenty of those in making the decision to uh, to move on board a 35 foot sailboat that's for sure yeah, for sure what were some of the tools that you used um well actually my husband and I play a game called the catastrophizing game um, <laughs> teach us please yeah. so it's basically like this um, you come up with every worst scenario of what could possibly happen <laughs> and you tell each other and then you um, you know let yourself you can look at them a little bit more objectively because those fears are not just bouncing around inside your head and, and um, workshop them together so I mean for us on very practical terms that meant um, coming up with um, man overboard drills, you know, and mm. um, coming up with the sorts of systems that we needed to have in place and the um, the safety equipment that we needed to have in place in the uh, event of bad weather or, you know, God forbid, um, capsizing or something like that. So sure. um, when it comes to painting, that's what I love about painting is it's much safer than sailing <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and we can still practice those tools though by asking ourselves you know what would help me to feel safe doing this you know what would help me to feel supported in doing this and um and sometimes that might mean closing the door and giving yourself permission to just paint in private and tell yourself look i don't have to show this to anybody if i don't want to i don't have to show this to like even the dog if i don't want to i could just look at it myself or or it could be setting it a little tiny little action that you want to to, to accomplish and, and focusing on, you know, picking up a pencil and moving on the, on the page for 20 seconds, something like that, just to help really lower the bar for ourselves. Yeah. 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 And I find that also helps kind of unlock inspiration. Once the stakes are not quite so high, your, your brain's kind of more open to just exploring and, and seeing what comes up. And I know um, a, a lot of your work and some of your, your classes that, that I've done, you're very good at um, offering up ways into inspiration. What What's your sort of creative process for, for your own work, your own paintings? Um, well, I think water has been the inspiration for a lot of my work for a very long time. So being surrounded by water and my first exhibition was actually based about, um, based on a sailing trip from Townsville to Tasmania back when I was 12. And oh, wow. so in some ways, you know, I've returned back to this, 
this love and news that just fills mm. me up so much. Um, but on a daily, you know, when I'm not living on a boat, the day-to-day things that could help fill my well of inspiration could be, um, I think nature in general, you know, is is always a source of variety and shapes and forms and textures and juxtapositions with colours and the beautiful thing about nature of course is that it's always changing so right and ever um you know never-ending well of of inspiration to draw from Mm. Mm, mm. and coming back to that you know the idea that you brought up right at the beginning of mindfulness as well I, I really do believe that that's why you know creativity and nature just go hand in hand you'd sort of almost talk to any creative and if they're feeling you know, blocked or, um, you know, those fears are coming up. So often I hear get out into nature, get out into nature, almost to the point where it's a bit of a broken record and might sound like a bit of a buzzword, but, you know, they really do go hand in hand because Mm. nature allows you to, um, you know, kind of bring that nervous system down as well and, you know, find those moments of mindfulness, which once you're really deep in the creative work, it's a very similar experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, something that I've found in the last year, I've started to notice a pattern with probably about 80% or more of my clients is that they turn out to be highly sensitive people. So HSPs mm. with um, sensory processing sensitivity. Right. And um, I've been listening to the HSP podcast by Julie B. Allen, which I love. And uh, she talks about nature in that it's the one, it's the one thing that, doesn't deplete our sensitive system it actually restores us and gives it back to us and I thought that makes so much sense it does make sense doesn't it mm-hmm. yeah because I was like you too I thought it does sound like a bit of a broken record you know why does every artist <laughs> pretty much in their artist statement say I'm inspired by nature well probably because you're a highly sensitive person and because nature <laughs> like replenishes your system yeah yeah so speaking of your your clients what are some of the most common things that you see people who kind of begin this um, art of creative living, you know, living in this creative way, what are some of the most common things that that you see uh, sort of emerge from them? Hmm. I guess the interesting thing about it is how it's um, becomes a ripple effect into all areas of their life or other areas of their life as well. So, you know, while we can be very safely cocooned in our studio playing with some pushing around some blue paint that you know just lights us up and then we use that inspiration and curiosity to then squeeze out some turquoise paint and see how that melds in together and gradually we're letting go of the self-judgment and we're building our self-compassion muscles and we're also tuning into the things that we love um those same skills start to overflow i think in people's um work life and in their relationships too where they can tune into what they need and what they enjoy and finding ways to prioritize that, not feel guilty about it um, and see the value in, in prioritizing their own needs and, and experience in the world and not feeling so much shame or guilt for making the, those things a, a priority and, and important. Yeah. Mm. And that really is something that we've kind of, culturally and generationally taken on isn't it like this guilt around 
look almost guilt around looking after ourselves or spending time on ourselves sort of like Mm -hmm. seen to be selfish whereas I kind of think if the whole world was one percent more selfish we'd probably all be a lot happier (laughs) yeah totally totally (laughs) and we'd be a good um good role models for our you know the people around us and children and next generations Mm -hmm. yeah and listening to you talking there about you know just sort of gradually letting go and gradually sort of playing and pushing pain around it also kind of feels like art can be a way to help us learn to let go a little bit of control need to know everything before we start and that need to have guarantees that it's going to work out a certain way you've totally yeah that's just nail on the head right there I think Chris so many people uh, I see they'll start to be bolder in their in their career choices or in their business life and in their work, whether or not they decide to stay where they are or if they decide to start a new business on their own or if they decide to retire and focus solely on doing the things that they love. Um, there is always unknown, isn't there, in those big decisions? And mm-hmm. and it is like they've been strengthening that muscle of, of stepping into that unknown. And um, yeah, that certainly comes into it with sailing up the east coast of Australia too. There's quite a lot of uncertainty in that in that situation. So I think, yeah, um, for sure, that's one situation you can't control. Really, <laughs> no matter how much you you want to, you can't control something like the weather or the yeah the conditions. Yeah, exactly. But having said that, um, we can we can try and do a lot of planning, and we can approach. Um, approach the and I'm going to use this as, as a metaphor I'm just not just going to hijack this conversation and start talking about sailing but um, <laughs> not at all it's, it's, it's part of your story and it's a really unique part so please go for it I love it well my husband and I are both um also have the trait of high sensation seeking so people that like to seek adventure but um because we have quite uh strongly activated nervous systems as well we like to do it in a way that feels safe so Mm. we did um a lot of planning for each leg on our trip you know when you would we would leave say coffs harbour and then go to yamber and then yeah but yamber to southport and things um that turned out to be the worst leg was from yamber to the gold coast because we were trying to get there to meet somebody else uh for christmas and that's always been my experience and when you read books from sailors it's when they have a time constraint and a deadline that they have to be somewhere um, by a certain time that things usually go haywire because you're not paying attention to the present you're not paying attention and accepting the way that the conditions are right now and acting accordingly and um, I think it can be the same in our creative lives too we can push and try and be somewhere before it's time and then we get ourselves in a frenzy and feel like we're you know falling behind or we're not doing it properly and um and so we can enter into creative projects with an awareness of that and with an intention to set ourselves up for success and make sure that we are um giving ourselves the the environment and the tools and the and the practices that will um help us to not sort of head out into the storm and then get so scared that we never want to go out and sail again you know we don't want to end up in the studio with so much paint kind of covering all our favorite curtains or whatever and then go (laughs) my husband's yelling at me because I've just you know ruined this and or something like that you know we we can um 
we can intentionally slow down a bit and just make sure that we've set ourselves up for, for success. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to scare ourselves off. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Emotionally as well as practically. Yeah. Mm, mm. What would you what would your advice be to anyone listening that say is, you know, not not at all uh, aspiring professional creative, let's say, but, um, you know, they're listening and, and they're sort of thinking, wow, I've never really thought about creativity as, you know, self-care or as um you know, something that can calm my nervous system or all these things we're speaking about. What would be your advice in terms of how do they start dabbling? Mm. I think um, following your curiosity is a really beautiful way to start. So, you know, tuning in and thinking about or just paying attention to what's around you and noticing if there's some kind of medium or modality that piques your interest and you think, oh, I'd like to just give that a go. And it could be crochet. It could be, you know, crochet is so, so popular at the moment. Or um, it could be watercolour painting or something like that. And then, um, and then give yourself a little bit of time to find out how to do that thing. So whether that's, and, and tuning into the way that you learn best. And that might be that you like to do it through a book or, or a person, you know, person to person contact, or it could be an online course, or it could be um, going to somebody's studio once a week, like I did at the beginning. Um, so setting yourself up for success with a few bits of practical tools and knowledge around the actual material that you want to play with, and then have a play and see if you like it. And um, feel free to put that down and pick something else up and have another play with something else. Cause it, I think that's the thing too, is there's so many different types of creative um, expression and some things just really sing for different people. So yeah. it, it might be that you love abstract work or it might be that you love figurative work and not, one is not better than the other. I think we can get into these real value judgments as well of how art should look and um, yes. <laughs> trying yeah. to leave that at the door and, and, and just letting yourself play. And I know you, you know, you play across a number of different mediums I know and, and different sort of creative outlets. Um, and I'd be interested to know, cause I, I also know that, you know, you've done very large commission pieces of work. You've, um, you know, got your memberships, you've got lots of different um, outlets. How did how do each of those feel to you? You know, is it, how, how's the process differ, I guess, from you doing, you know, a, a large commission for the star, which I know you've done versus, um, you know, one of your own collections. What, how do you kind of navigate the um, intention of each, each piece or the, the client of each piece is different? Yeah. Each piece is going to be different. And I think it, it comes into the larger context of my life and the season that I'm in for during each time. So like when we were living on the boat, um, it was very difficult to paint a large oil painting. And, um, and that was when I started to get really interested in watercolor because it was such a practical medium to be using right. in a small space, something that I could pick up and put down and that would dry. I didn't have like wet oil paintings yeah. flying around inside the boat when we're going over waves <laughs> and trying to let them dry and stuff. No, So, and watercolor is, um, it doesn't take up too much space all those things. So I think paying attention to, yeah, what's happening in my life. And I mean, when I was, um, when I was awarded that commission for the star, we had actually just moved on board our boat and we'd sold our home with the studio that was 10 by 12 meter studio. It was huge. Like it was really big wow. space. And then the, the commission was 12 meters long mm. and 
I was like, oh, I just had this perfect studio space that would have been great for that, but I haven't got it anymore. So, um, how ironic, gonna, how ironic. Yeah. So I wasn't going to turn it down though. Cause it was, mm. you know, it's a good, well-paying gig. And, um, so I just hired a space in Sydney. I looked up on, I think it's creative spaces um, yeah. and looked for studios and, and found a space in, um, I've completely gone blank with what Merrickville in Merrickville. Oh, so yeah. I yeah, had a studio there and, and did the work there, but I think the, practicalities of life as well as um following following my energy I suppose is probably Mm -hmm. the main answer to the question I suppose other than I wasn't going to say no to the commission because I did want to do it um but these days when it's just me driving the business and driving my own creative path so to speak I just try and tune in regularly with you know what do I feel a little bit curious about what do I feel excited by what do I have energy for Mm. Mm. And that's something really important as well. I think for us just to remember about life in general as well is that we're not all one way, you know, we've got so many, as you said before, facets and it's, it's okay to change your mind or put, pick something up and put it down and go this way today and that way tomorrow. Like that's actually beautiful. That's what makes, makes life rich. And that's what brings in, you know, different experiences and, um, you know, counteracts maybe the the routine of other parts of our lives, which are just as valid and and needed. But um, that's one thing that I definitely find a, a benefit of an artistic creative practice is is yeah that variety, variety all the way. Yep. <laughs> all right, Nicola, I would love to close us out asking you the three questions that I ask all my guests here on Why Not Art. And these are just first sort of thing to come to mind. Give us a little glimpse into um, the life of Nicola Newman, your most memorable creative experience. Oh, I suppose painting the three by 12 meter painting for the star because it was fairly all consuming and um, and such a you know physically demanding project. I was up and down a ladder. And mm. yeah, so that, that comes to mind first up. Yeah. How did it feel to then see that, I guess, is installed the right word? Yeah, installed the perfect. Into, yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect word. <laughs> um, I was really, <clears throat> I, went, I went there with my friends, Amanda Rootsy and Naomi Arnold, the first time I went to see it and my husband. And um, it was really wonderful to see it with the lighting on and then they had beautiful brass frames around each panel and it just, yeah, it looked, it was, it was great. I felt very professional and very, <laughs> very pleased. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. I mean, it's, it's unreal. And you can see um, there's still photos of it on your website, isn't there? There are. Yeah. Or, and if you're on the gold coast, you can go into the foyer at the star and check it out. <laughs> yeah. Go check it out. It's beautiful. <laughs> All right. Second question, which artists and creatives inspire you the most? I think um, Turner has been a huge inspiration for me over the years because of his um, affinity with light and with water Um, and Monet for the same reasons. Um, And then I actually really love Clarence Beckett. She's an Australian painter. Didn't have a lot of uh, notoriety in the day because she was female, Um, but her work is collected. You can find it in the Canberra National Gallery of Australia in Canberra and um, and I think also in Melbourne. And I just loved, again, her her take on capturing atmospheric sort of landscape and seascape scenes. I love it. Mm. Mm, it's almost like capturing the intangible kind of energy of 
of an environment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's sort of bringing that emotional response to an environment and then making that into a visual form. Yeah, I think it's incredible. Mm. Yeah, and that that really is kind of the wizardry of of art, isn't it? That we can capture yeah, emotion, something so intangible and mm. alchemize it into something you know, visible or, yeah, you know, yeah. or, or song or whatever the, the medium might be, uh, being able to actually capture that into something that you can, you can hold and you can interact with. It's, it is wizardry. It's a gift, isn't it? And it's amazing. It's amazing thing to do as the, as the creator. And it's a beautiful thing to partake of as a viewer too, or a listener. All right. Last question for you. Take us out a piece of art that you're consuming and loving right now. I would the first thing that comes to mind is actually the HSP podcast and it's funny to think of a podcast as a piece of art isn't it but it is like a body of work and mm. I find um, the conversations that Julie has on there particularly with Willow McIntosh um, really validating and help me feel uh, normalized and seen and mm. and empowered so I'm very grateful for that podcast mm. yeah that's fantastic and those words that you've used, you know, that is what art does, isn't it? It, it helps us feel seen mm -hmm. and normalized and not alone and connected and intrigued and stimulated. So I would certainly, you know, I, I understand that a podcast is not traditionally seen as art, but yeah, if it's, if it's uh, bringing you those, mm. those, those benefits, that's, that's exactly what art does for us. So yeah, it's a form of expression still, isn't it? What you're doing right here is, is amazing. It's a, it's a creative act that you're doing and you're in lockdown and you're like, you know what, damn it, I'm going to make something out of this and you're just <laughs> doing right. it. So cool. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I think, you know, to remind ourselves of the power of expression yeah is is it's so storytelling storytelling yeah. yeah i love the fact that you've used that word yeah yeah and i mean that is what art is isn't it it's the art is the telling of stories in one medium or another and storytelling is how we you know pass down ideas it's how we connect it's how we again feel less alone um it's it's really important work particularly now Mm, yeah particularly mm. yeah it's it's a wonderful um opportunity to reflect isn't it and to re and prioritize the things that are important to us even though it's during difficult times mm. yeah that's right that's right well thank you so much for for coming on and riffing with me Nicola it's yeah it, it is needed right now so I really appreciate you being so generous with your time and uh giving us a glimpse into your world Thanks so much for having me, Chris. It was an absolute delight. I've talked with you all day. Thanks so much for all the wonderful questions.